Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Well, I'm a mess, as usual. I'll drop everything here. You know, I'm just going to be me. I hope that's all right. You know, I can't be anybody else. <laughs> you know, God has given me a word today. Uh, isn't God great? He's a good God. He's a lot better than me, I'll tell you that. I don't know about you. You might be pretty good, but he's a lot better than me. Anyway, if you would turn your Bibles today to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Thank you, Pastor Paulson, uh, Bishop Cheppy. Amen, I know they're traveling today, but thank you for uh, entrusting me uh, to bring the word of the Lord today. Uh, it truly is an honor always to, to bring the word of God. Um, I, live, I live for this. This is um, the only thing that I really have ever wanted to do. And I'm, I am extremely blessed to be able to do so. So um, there's nothing more valuable than the word of God. There's not. There's not anything more valuable. It is my most precious possession because this one's mine. I own it. I have made it mine. I've made it who I am. I've made it my life. And if you haven't done that today, I encourage you to do so. Make that decision. Second Timothy chapter number 3, extremely familiar passage of Scripture. And, um, Paul's writing to Timothy here. It says, This know also... That in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. Amen. You may be seated today. And, and I'm so grateful to have my family with me today. My wife and my, two of my children. Harmon is holding down the fort in Moorhead. Uh, he's, he's back home. So, uh, But I do appreciate my family very much. I just appreciate the people of God. You know, uh, how the freedom of worship is here. I appreciate that. That's... That's not everywhere, and we, we have been blessed by that. You, you are blessed. You're a blessed people. Why don't you look at somebody and say, I'm blessed. Now you've got to look at somebody else and, and believe it when you say it this time. Say, I'm blessed. All right. Amen. You are blessed. The, um, we truly are living in the last days. I believe that with everything inside of me. Uh, these days are made apparent by what's happening around us. We know that we're living in the last days by observing, by observing things that are going on. Now, that's something that we need, we need to do. We need to observe what's happening around us, but we don't need to be caught up in what's happening around us. We don't need to make that our purpose. We need to keep the main thing the main thing, right? We need to keep Jesus and the, the work of God on the forefront of our minds at all times. But the world that we're living in, 
We are living in a, a, a very evil place. It has always been evil. The world itself has always been contrary to God. But it seems though over the last even 20 years, uh, 25 years that the world has just made a drastic turn away from God rather than toward God. And um, we are truly living in the last days. And uh, prophecy would go forth in the word of God that they said one day they will turn uh, good into evil and evil into good. And, and we are seeing those things unfold before our very eyes. We watch these things take place. Uh, and when, G, or when, when uh, Noah was on the earth and when God said, I'm going to destroy man, he said, I'm going to destroy man because of the wickedness of their heart. It's continual. It's, it's always wicked. It's always against me, always against my ways and against my plan, against my purpose. And so God repented that he ever made man, but then he found grace in, in Noah. He found something still good there. So the Lord made a way of escape through an ark. And we, we, we know that, and Jesus said in the last days that the, that are going to be like the days of Noah. That's how it's going to be. And we are living in that generation, maybe, maybe just one generation prior. Maybe. Maybe just 20 years. Maybe 10 years. You know, I don't, I don't know exactly. But we're living in uh, extremely perilous times. We're living in times where, where sin seems to run rampant. Where, where um, there's destruction. There's war. There's rumors of war. There's constant things going around. It's always it's happening around us and it can easily overwhelm us if we will allow it to. There are approximately about um, 500,000, half a million uh, murders uh, every single um, uh, year in, a, in, in abortion. Okay, uh, about uh, I don't know how many millions of abortions that's been hap that's happened over the, the entirety of, of of the world, but it's it's millions and millions and millions, hundreds of millions probably. And so this uh, the evil is is constantly surrounding us, and and with it we know that uh, there were some strides made. Uh, uh, was it this year that they they passed the laws that that um that reverse Roe versus Wade, and thank God for that. Thank God for that. The, the, the issue really isn't, though, that the man of, of America's law and, and, and the way that the laws that we have written, the real issue is that men and women's hearts are away from God, and men and women's hearts are, are not towards God, and that's really where the issue lies, and that is what really affects society as a whole. And, and so over every single year, there are hundreds of thousands of abortions that still take place, and they will continue to take place because uh, unless the whole world were to turn to God. Now I'm not saying that can't happen because it can happen. If men will repent, if women will repent, then God can come in. But it takes the repentance and the turning away from sin and the turning toward God and then we can become like him and then God can have his way. And we're not, we're not so far removed from that because such were some of you Hallelujah. Such were some of you. We used to be, but that man has changed. I'm no longer who I used to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful for the blood? Aren't you thankful for the blood? You got to remember where God brought you from. Hallelujah. Not so you can go back and get glory from those days, but so that you can remind yourself how great God is, how much mercy God has, how awesome that he is. Hallelujah. 
because there are better things for the people of God than what this world has to offer because all they have to offer is hurt and pain and destruction and turmoil and all the things that are in this world that are evil. They want to, the world has turned what's good into, in, into bad. They've turned the, the, the word of God into a negative thing, turned the preaching of the word of God into a negative thing. Today there are uh, one in four children roughly are born um, uh, to, the, to, the, uh, to a parent, uh, to, a, to a mother that's under the age of 18. There are uh, 40% of all children born in the United States are, are born to unwed mothers. And, and then 50% of, of every single uh, mother is not married. And, and so there's, there's just this evil everywhere. It's just constant. And it's just uh, men and women have made themselves God. And they have made themselves this, this, uh, uh, this, this, this uh, being that wants to constantly be pleased and constantly be happy. Families are being led without uh, a father in the home. The, the word of God lays out what God desires and what God has, has shown and what a home should look like. That a father and a mother and then children. And, then, and, and that's God's design. And marriage is between a man and a woman. And, and that's really what, what marriage is. And, and, um, and, and anything other than that negates the plan of God. And it says, God, you're not in charge. And God, you're not on the throne. And preaching just like that in several countries. A lot of countries in the world is illegal to preach those things. It's, a, it's illegal to preach against sin in many places. We have an epidemic of, of people never coming to age, even men, as they grow up. You have uh, the evilness of this world. They, they don't grow up. They become... Just boys in bigger bodies. And sit around and play video games at 35 or 40 years old. God forbid. I'm not the pastor here, so I'm not going to say you can't do that. He'll say that. But I'm sure right now he's saying you can't do that. <laughs> or you're not supposed to do that. So we have this. This mentality shift or maybe this, this thing happening, the whole world as a society has turned away from God. So it has all of these different effects and, and that, that happen because of it. It's, it's the central location and the central problem is that people have turned away from God. So because of that, then men don't grow up. And then women uh, are now ha having babies at younger and younger ages. And there's more and more families without fathers in it. And then the fathers that are there seem to be absent. They just want to go down to a cave. To a man cave. And that well, that's my man cave. Well, you need to get rid of your man cave and you need to get back to a library. Yeah, men used to have studies. Yeah, we, we didn't have man caves. We had studies. And you went there and you read. Get a book. Get rid of the video game. Well, that's what we need to do. Well, there's nothing wrong with video games. I didn't say there was anything wrong with video games. I never, I never said that. What's wrong is our desire to escape. Our desire to stay, escape into a virtual reality that takes me away from where I am. 
that takes me away from my responsibility because the truth is the reason why people are not gaining and growing closer to God is because they're trying to escape the responsibility of life. We're trying to do that through social media and through virtual reality and through video game and through all of these other things and we're trying to, to do that and not come closer to God because and coming closer to God make, it forces me to recognize where I am and how I'm living. Just, just don't get mad at me yet. You can do that later. <laughs> no, Don't get mad at me. Stay with me for a little while. Because you see, there's this, this whole situation. These, you have men that, 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 that are getting these young ladies pregnant at a young time and then abandoning them and not being a father and not creating a family unit and not raising them after, after God and after the word of God. Now they're just pleasing themselves continually, both men and women, and they're just not, not even interested in the things of God. And so they create these people that are growing up without fathers and without even mothers, really. Without anything like that. Without the family unit. Now I know, I know, I know who I'm talking to. And I know in this group, there are families just like that. Or children maybe. Or adults that were raised like this. I understand that. Okay? But we've got to get down to the root of the problem so we can fix it. The root of the problem is hearts not turning towards God. We all have had sin. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody has, has missed the mark. Everybody has fallen short of God. But the thing is, is we must recognize missing the mark and adjust our aim so that then we can hit the mark. Because we can hit the mark if we adjust our aim. If we begin to change, if we allow God to change us, if we allow ourselves to become different in the hands of God. But it's when we're stubborn and we stand against God and we hold up a hand against God and say, oh God, not now, not today, God. I'm not hearing that today. I, I don't want to change. That's when God can't operate. But if we'll just take our hands down and we'll just run and find a place at an altar and say, God, I want to be different. I want to be like you. Then God can begin to operate and then we can begin to hear the voice of God and we can begin to understand the things of God and then God can begin to mold and shape our life into the way and the things that he wants us to do and how he wants us to be. But as long as we separate God from us, as long as we hold him back, we cannot be changed. These, so this immaturity in us, in our flesh, and this desire to stay and remain there uh, is, is detrimental to our spirits. Uh, just the, the sitting around and not ever coming up. And I, I even heard a preacher one time say, they're not boys because they're too old to be boys, but they're not men because they, they shirk responsibility. So, they're, so they're, uh, they're a mixture in between. And it's really the truth. Paul said, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. So men, let's grow up. I'm going to talk to the men for a little bit. This is a good Father's Day message. <laughs> men, grow up. Amen. Grow up. Find, a, find an altar somewhere. Lead your family to God. Teach your children how to pray. You're not going to teach them by saying go pray. You're going to teach them by getting on your knees. We, that's how we teach them. Come do as I do. 
Come pray as I pray. Come read as I read. So men, learn how to find a place in God. Lead, lead your families toward God because it makes a difference. There is an entire generation that doesn't have a father. There's an entire people that have been raised without fathers. And the church must not be so. Men, learn how to worship. Men, learn how to be the leader in worship. Men, learn how to stand up. Lift up your hands in worship. Don't leave it to anybody else. You're not leaving it to your wife. You're not leaving it to your children. You're not leaving it to your pastor. But you're leading it. Or you're leaving it to yourself. The, the buck stops with you when it comes to worship. You got to lead your family in worship. It's, it's important how we view these things. I don't even think I gave you, yeah, something better. That's what I'm preaching about. I know it doesn't sound like it right now. We're getting there, though. We're getting there. Amen. Look, look at somebody and say, he's getting there. Amen. We got to grow up, men. The enemy of your soul wants you to remain just as you are right now. The enemy of your soul wants you to remain in confusion, wants you to remain in fear, and wants to create more of it in your life. But God has not given us the spirit of fear. God has given us power, love, and sound mind. God, God that's what he does to us. Now, he, he, it's important that we understand these basic concepts, that we understand that, that God is not about reigning and ruling and, and controlling and, and just putting a thumb on you or, or uh, putting a magnifying glass in the sun and burning your life and making your life miserable. That's not what it's about. God is about lifting you up, elevating us to the place that he can use us. That's what God is about. God is about making things better. The world, sin is about destroying. Sin is about destruction. Jesus said that, uh, that uh, the devil comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and, and life more abundantly. So it's about living. It's about understanding that if I can turn towards God, then I'll have abundant life. But as long as I turn towards me or I turn towards sin, then I'm not going to have life. I'm not going to have what I could have. But if I turn to God, I'll have it better because God makes things better. God always makes things better. That's what he does. He continues to make things better. I know it seems the world is dismal. It seems the world is, is in, it's just in terrible uh, sin and it's just, it's overwhelming every single aspect of life. It overwhelms media. It overwhelms social media. It overwhelms politics. It overwhelms school systems. It overwhelms all the education. It overwhelms so many things in this life. It seems like it's, it's running rampant at work. It's running rampant everywhere. But it, you know, it's not any, there's not any more sin today than there was a thousand years ago. Sin is always going to be sin. It's just there's more people now. There's more people that are still not turning towards God yet. So that means there's more opportunity for God to work and God to operate. There's more opportunity for God to do things. Because he said, where sin does abound, my grace does much more abound. I have more than enough to cover whatever needs to be covered. I'm in the business of making things better. I'm not in the business of keeping things down. God's not in the business of destruction. God's not in the business of disparity. He's not in the business of despondency. He's not in the business of tearing down. But he's in the business of building up. He's in the business of making better. Hallelujah. 
Sin destroys, sin tears down, sin just breaks apart, sin does those things, but God puts back together, God builds up, God helps. Hallelujah, that's what God does. That's what God does. Sin does the opposite. Hallelujah, God always puts things back together. That's what he's like, he's like the great master Lego builder. He's just the guy that can build anything out of Legos. You're like, man, that's, that's a pretty smart dude. He don't even need the instructions. Anyway, God is in the business of making things better. God took Abram. Uh, the exalted father and made him Abram, Abraham, the father of multitudes. God took Sarai, the argumentative woman, that was what her name meant, and turned her into Sarah, the, the princess. God makes things better. God changes things. God changes situation. God took Isaac, and he, he, he was a chosen one, and he picked him over Ishmael. But yet, God still made it better for both of them. He still said, don't worry, I'm going to make a, a, a people out of both of your children. I'm going to bless them both. And that's what he did. God makes things better in people's life. Then the time came when Isaac was to be sacrificed. And then God calls the ram to be called in the thicket. And God makes things better. He said, that's, now I really didn't want you to kill Isaac. I just wanted you to kill your, your love for everything else, Abraham. I wanted to know where you stood with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God's not about taking the good things out of your life. God's just trying to say, do you love me more than that? Do you want me more than that? So it's not about just sacrificing everything and giving everything up and living a very mundane life. But it's about saying, I love God more than anything else. I love him more than anything else in this life. So every decision I make is going to be turning me towards God. I'm not going to do things that's going to turn me away from him. I'm going to do things that takes me toward him. God makes things better. God took Jacob the deceiver and turned him into Israel. God prevails. God took Joseph the slave and made him Joseph the savior of a whole family. God makes things better. He even told his family, look, I know you meant it for evil, but that's all right. I'm not mad at you. Whatever you meant for evil, God meant for good because God just put me in the position. I had to go through some things to get there, but that's okay. I'm able to feed my family because of it. You see, you get caught up. We get caught up in all the things surrounding us, in all the circumstances that seem to be weighing us down and seem to be making us, uh, making life difficult. And it seems like we're going through the prison and we're going through the pit and we're going through all the trouble but what really is trying to happen in our life is God is trying to mold and shape us and to make us into something that he can use and we all get caught up in the negativity of the situation we need to understand that God is trying to make things better in our life God is trying to change things so that we can be used by God hallelujah so we can be used by God hallelujah hallelujah Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yeah, he said, don't despise the day of small things. We can't despise the things that are happening when things aren't seeming to go the way that we want them to. We can't, we can't despise God. We can't be angry with God when things aren't happening the way that we desire. Oh, but we must just say, okay, God, here am I. I'm right here, God. I don't understand. I don't have to understand what's going on. But God, I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to put my trust in you because I know you make situations better. 
God took Gideon the farmer and made him Gideon the warrior. God took the shepherd boy David and made him into king. Uh, God brought Nehemiah from cupbearer to governor. God's constantly doing this. He's taking people and he's changing situations. And though it seems dire and it seems devastating what they're going through, God takes that situation and he turns it around. I know your family may be against you living for God. I know your wife or your husband or your children may despise you for the time that you spend with God. Oh, but just keep your head down. Just keep your knees to the ground and just keep praying. Keep seeking God because I promise you God is going to turn the situation. He can and he will. He makes things better. God, Took Saul the Pharisee and made him Paul the missionary. God took Peter the fisherman and made him Peter the preacher. By one man, Adam, sin did enter into the world, but by a better man, Jesus. His blood washed away all the sin of the world. God makes things better. That's what he does. It's God changes hearts of stone. And makes them into hearts of flesh. God takes blinded eyes and he makes them see. Deaf ears, he opens them up, makes them hear. He takes the lame, makes them walk. He takes the poor in spirit and he gives them the kingdom of heaven. God is in the business of making things better. He turns bitterness into love. Sorrow into joy. God turns things around where it doesn't seem like he can. In in Hebrews chapter twelve, verse twenty four through or twenty two through twenty four, it says, "But you are come unto Mount Sion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly, and to the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the Judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, a mediator of the new covenant." And to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Abel's blood was that of the will of the flesh. Of, of death, of murder, of destruction. Jesus' blood was that of life. That of, of help. That of salvation. The world still cries out with the blood of Abel. With death, destruction, tearing down. And, but Jesus is saying, turn to me. It's going to be all right. I've got you. The, the spirit of despondency is a result of people believing in the idea or the lie that God isn't there for them. That God has left me here to suffer. The, even the questions like, well, if there is a God, then why would he allow war? Or why do babies die of cancer? The question goes, if there's a God, then why, why this or why that? That's not the right question, though. The right question is, if there's a God, then why don't I turn to Him? Because the reason why there's war and cancer and sickness was from the initial turning away from God. That's why it even exists to begin with. But we question God and His existence and His sovereignty Mainly because we're caught up 
in what surrounds us, which sometimes seems to be nothing but fear and, and just worry and doubt and all the trouble of this life. It's so easy to, be, to get caught up in it. The, um, we've seen the spirit of fear really in operation just a couple years ago. I mean, like never before, on, in an unheard of way. Took the church by surprise. Really did. Didn't take God by surprise. Took the church by surprise. Took us by surprise. We didn't see it coming. Well, maybe you did. I can only speak for me. Pastor Paulson may have seen it coming. I didn't. Fear running rampant. The same, the same spirit, though, has shown itself many, many times. This spirit of despondency in 1 Samuel chapter 4. There's, um, you, you have uh, Eli was a high priest at the time, and his sons Phinehas and Hophni were uh, carrying the Ark of the Covenant into the battle, and they did it without the approval of God. And so they just said, well, this has worked in the past. It'll work now. So they just allow, uh, you know, they just did what they wanted. They, they were doing not the things of God. They were in the positions of, of being the, the people of God. But yet they were not under the submission of God's word and God's authority. So they just take the Ark of the Covenant out into battle. And they lose the Ark of the Covenant in the battle. Now, at the same time, Phineas' wife is pregnant. And she's um, getting close to giving birth. The, the, the messenger comes back to Eli. Tells him, uh, well, your, your sons are dead. Both Phineas and Hophni has died. And Eli says, well, what about, what about the ark? What about the ark of the covenant? And he says, well, they, they took it. And he falls over and he breaks his neck. He dies. And then, and then at the same time, uh, Phineas' wife hears this news. And then she, she immediately goes into labor because of the tragedy of the moment. And overcome with, with everything that's going on. Goes into labor. Gives birth to a son. Names him Ichabod. Which means the glory of God has departed. She dies giving birth. There's no father there for Ichabod. Ichabod's there without a daddy. She forever curses that boy with the name, the glory of God has departed. Everywhere he went, people recognized him. And they recognized not only him, but the day the ark was taken. He was a reminder to all everybody that seen him. That's the day we lost the ark. That's the day the glory was departed from Israel. Nobody was there to save him. A similar situation takes place previous to that. Years and years prior to that, when, when Jacob's wife, uh, Rachel, is about to give birth to her second son, and she's in birth and she's dying, she gives birth to this baby boy, and she names him Benoni, son of my sorrow. The only difference was is there was still a daddy around. The father changed his name. He said, no, 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 no. I understand what it's like to be called a deceiver my whole life. I'm not going to have him be called son of sorrow his whole life. So I'm going to change it to Benjamin. Son of my right hand. Son of my strength. So that I'm reminded of the blessings of God. Not of the sorrow of death. The world is just trying to remind you of the sorrow. It's just trying to keep us down. Trying to keep us in despondency and disparity. Trying to say, you can never make it. You're never going to be good enough. You're never going to have enough. The Holy Ghost isn't for you. You don't have any deliverance. You're always going to be a drug addict. You're always going to be an alcoholic. But 
God's saying, that's who you used to be. With me, you don't have to be that anymore. The world needs a father. It's full of little Ichabods running around. People believing that they're the son of sorrow. People believing that, that, they, that they, they, the glory is departed. There's no hope for them. Our whole world is surrounded with people just like that. And maybe some people in here believe that lie here today. That there's no hope for you. That there's no help for you. That too much has happened. Too much has transpired and I'm known by my actions. I'm known by what I've done. I'm known by the lifestyle that I've lived. And I've been in and out of church and I've been in and out of relationship with God and I've been in and out and in and out and I'm known as just somebody that has no stability. And maybe maybe your name has been attached to that. But I'm here to tell you today that the Father wants to change your name. The Father wants to change your name. Because God is in the business of making things better. He wants to change your name. People are still being told they're worthless. You know now, and I've seen this happen, people, like, like something bad happens. In the, in the world, in the, in the, the lifestyle of the world, something bad happens. They go into self-harm. And, uh, and we call it by getting, we call it, well, well uh, something bad happened, so hey, let's go, get, let's go get another piercing. Or hey, let's go get a, another tattoo, make you feel better. I don't, I don't really understand that concept of how it makes you feel better. But, but that's what the world does, and it's really something that's happened, happening a lot. And, and, and especially among young people, it's like, well, this is bad happening, so go make yourself feel better and, and do that. Or, oh, man, you're really down, let's go get high. And they're beat down. And they're being told they're worthless. The church has to rise up. we got to rise up. God's in the business of making things better. Hallelujah. God, God wants to completely transform everything. I, I, know, I know God's doing a great, I've, I've seen you around here quite a bit. I never did meet your name. What's your name? God, God wants to make things so much better in your life. I don't, I don't know you, but I'm telling you, God wants to really transform everything. He does. He wants to make things better. Hallelujah. Why don't we lift our hands right now? Hallelujah. God wants to make things better in our life. You, you may have been told that you're worthless. Your dad may not have been around. Your mom may not have been around. You may have had a bad childhood, a bad life. But I promise you, if you'll turn to Jesus, he'll be your father. He'll be your mother. He'll be your brother and your sister. He'll be your family. He'll be everything that you need. You just got to turn to him. You got to turn to him. Hallelujah. It's not, about, it's not about being caught up in believing the lies that this world is telling because they're always telling lies. They're always trying to get us to believe that we can't make it, that we're not going to do it, that we can never accomplish it, that God doesn't love us, that there is no God, but those are lies. There's a whole group of people out there that's dying and they're afraid and they're scared and they don't know where to turn. They don't know what they're doing, but they need somebody to say, there is a father that loves you. And anybody in this room today, please hear the voice of this preacher today. There's a father that loves you. There's a father that loves you. 
His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. His name is Jesus. Why don't you call on him? Hallelujah. A lot of the musicians come. He wants, he wants to heal today. He wants to deliver today. He wants to remind us again that there is hope for the lost. There is still hope for this generation. I know it seems dark. I know it seems like that, that, that people just don't want God anymore. But those are lies. The enemy's trying to make his control look bigger than what it really is. What the truth is is that people are hungry. People are searching. They're looking for something. And you have the keys to life. Your name's not Ichabod. Your name's not Benoni. That's not your name. Jacob's name was changed. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Genesis chapter 32. God changes his name to Israel. Prince. He has prince because he has power with God and with men. He's a prince among men. He's, he's powerful. He has, he has might. He has ability. Next chapter in Jacob. Everybody else still called him Jacob. They, they just kept calling him Jacob. It wasn't until a long, long time passed, and even after he died, finally is Israel. Israel. It, had, it took a long time for that name to take place, for people outside to begin to recognize it. Because this world oftentimes only recognizes us by the sins that we've committed, and they continue to do so. And the reason why they do that, and they keep doing that, is because they don't understand the experience that changed your name. Because when Jacob's name was changed to Israel, it was only him and the angel there. Nobody else was there. So they're just, they're just going off of his, his explanation of a story. And they say, well, you're just lying again, O supplanter. Your name's not Israel. It's still Jacob. He's just a liar. Don't believe anything he says. But he's like, oh, no. I didn't, I didn't do this myself. I really am different. I really am changed. Because they don't understand the experience until they have the experience for themselves. But why don't you lift up your hands today?
Hallelujah. Now we don't, I'm asking those that, that really, really been spoke to today, or if you need the gift of the Holy Ghost, if you've never experienced the Holy Ghost, if you haven't had this experience, this name change, I'm asking you to come. And those that have really felt the Lord pulling on them today, I'm asking you to come today. you to just begin to seek after the Lord as soon as you get up here just begin to seek after him be reminded today of his great mercy of his great love that God wants to turn your situation around he wants to use that situation for his glory he wants to make it better in your life he wants to turn your mindset around stop looking at yourself like you're Ichabod Stop looking at yourself like you're Benoni or you're Jacob. That's not who you are. Hallelujah. Why don't you just seek after the Lord a little bit right here. Hallelujah. The Lord wants to fill some folks with the Holy Ghost. He wants to fill you up with His Spirit today. Hallelujah. Oh, God, I repent. God, I repent of my sins. We must repent. We must repent. We've got to clean ourselves out. we got to turn around. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Why don't you begin? Just begin really seeking after God. Why don't somebody get desperate with God today? Say, God, I need you more than I've ever needed you. Hallelujah. Oh, God showed me something today. He showed me. He just, I seen the, the neighborhood surrounding this church. The last time I was here, God showed me something. This time I'm here, God shows me something else. I've seen the neighborhood surrounding, and I've just seen people like just coming out of homes, coming out of neighborhoods, and just, just coming to the church, and God doing a great work. There's all those people, there's so many that are just convinced that they're Ichabod. They're convinced that they're not worth it. They're convinced that they're worthless, that, they, it, that nobody loves him. But God is sending those that are hungry. He's drawing those that are hungry. He said, I'm going to draw them in. I'm going to draw them in. You just got to keep on. You got to keep preaching the truth. You got to keep preaching love. You got to keep standing for it. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, Why don't you surrender control today? Surrender control to the Lord. That's, that's really how you get the Holy Ghost, is you just surrender. Oh, yes, I, Lord, I surrender to you. I surrender, Lord. I surrender my entire mind, my body, my mouth, everything that I am to you. And you just begin to praise Him. And God begins to fill you with His Spirit. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let every chain be broken. Let every bond be loosed right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody seek after the Lord. Seek after the Lord.